Welcome back to Podcast Maps. This is all about growing podcast audiences. You might be a podcast host. You might be a podcast agency. One thing you're probably experiencing today that shares all of the above is the difficulty in growing an audience. There's reasons for that. You can listen to my previous episodes of Podcast Maps to see how technically the algorithms have changed on Spotify, on Apple. Importantly, what used to work in growing audiences doesn't work anymore, in particular guest sharing. I'll talk about that today in this episode of Podcast Maps. But the good news is there are plenty of podcasts out there that are successfully growing their podcasts. I'm going to look at the weird and wonderful world of Dungeons and Dragons podcasts and how some of those podcasts are making six figures a month from audience donations alone. Why do we need to talk about audience? It's the ultimate goal of any podcast hosts. Because if you are building a podcast without an audience, it's a vanity project. Audience means influence and influence means thought leadership. And if you're in business, then thought leadership is everything. And when it comes to thought leadership, you need to have a clear understanding of the metrics, not just audience numbers and what is a good audience size, which we'll talk about today, but also the difference between quality and quantity when it comes to measuring audio audiences and the difference between low and high reach content marketing strategies for audio and earned media and owned media. The difference between starting your own podcast and guesting on other people's podcasts. It's all about audiences. It's all about building them. That's what you're going to learn about today in Podcast Maps. Hi, this is Graham Brown. Thanks for checking out Podcast Maps. This episode is all about audience growth strategies. What works? Who is growing their audience successfully? Who is monetizing their audio audiences? We're going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons, Taylor Swift, TikTok, thought leadership, all in one episode. If you like this episode, follow, subscribe, you know the drill, whatever podcast platform you're using, please subscribe to Podcast Maps there. And if you stick around to the end of the episode, I'm going to give you some resources that you can get a hold of that will help you grow your audience. Thanks a lot. Coming up, audience growth strategies. Audience growth is all about quality, not quantity. How can a podcast with 300 listeners be more valuable than a podcast with 30,000? What's a good audience number for my podcast? Now, people ask me this all the time. And one of the reasons they ask is because there is no benchmark data. There is no Google Analytics podcast that makes this data readily available. We have to remember that Spotify and Apple very much own the data and it's proprietary they don't have a vested interest in democratizing the data or comparing it. Everything that we know is based on what everybody reports, meaning you have to take it with a pinch of salt. Let's start at the top. Wondery gets two to five million downloads a month for Business Wars. If you look at the rankings on websites like Podminer or Chartable, that is one of the most popular podcasts in the world in the business category. Outside of business, you look at, for example, Real Dictators by Noiser, a fantastic podcast that's done about 2 million 
downloads over maybe 10 episodes. Gary Vaynerchuk averages around 100,000 an episode, but then a good business podcast can average between 250 and 2,500. The numbers vary immensely. Firstly, because it's all self-reported. The only way I can verify your audience numbers, and this is the same for everybody, is they give me access to their hosting account or they give me access to Spotify and Apple, and that's not going to happen anytime soon. 250 for a business podcast might actually be a very good number if it's a tightly defined audience. 250 tightly defined listeners versus 2,500 loose listeners, the answer to which is the more valuable will always fall on the side of quality. In that 250, you may have the CEO of your local bank. You may have a buyer or a prospect. One listener who buys your service is more value than 10,000 who simply like it. So the question today is all about audience. How do I grow a quality audience for my podcast? Here's how it used to work. You start a podcast, you ask your friends to guest on the podcast, your friends share it with their network, their friends come and listen to the podcast. They like it, but they don't subscribe to it. That's the guest sharing strategy that people have been using for the last five years. And as we find out, that no longer works. The easiest way of thinking about audience growth strategies for your podcast is to use the analogy of running and growing a successful restaurant. You can have two different strategies. One is the celebrity chef strategy, which is you get a celebrity chef or you buy the restaurant lease nearest the sea. That's the one that gets the coachload of tourists pulling up. And inevitably, you've been to those places. They serve the crappiest food. Those are the ones, if you go to the restaurants with the sea view in Spain, they serve the frozen paella, the microwave paella, as as an authentic Spanish experience to the tourist. And the reason they can get away with that crap food, crap service, is because they know that those tourists ain't ever coming back and there's going to be another coach load next week. The problem with that model is that when those coach loads dry up, then the restaurant dries up. When the celebrity chef that brings the people through the door leaves, the audience goes with them. The audience are connected not to you, the restaurant owner, but the chef and the view. And that's something you can't control. Whereas if you look at the success of restaurants, the model you need to look at is the organic growth model. This restaurant that is slightly out of town has to grow not because it can simply tap into coach loads of tourists. It grows because they can get diners in on Tuesday evening, Wednesday afternoon, and those customers bring their friends, they bring their partners, they bring their families, they recommend it to friends in the office, and it grows at a compounding organic rate, meaning that even if it's 5% a month, 
in, let's say, a year, you can double your audience. And they then aren't reliant on anybody. They are growing their audience through organic traffic, not through reliance on the inorganic traffic of the coach model. And that is how we should think about podcast growth today. What everybody's been doing for the last few years is the inorganic model, which is the coach load, which is, okay, I'm going to get a really good guest, focus all my effort on the conversation around the guest. And once that's done, they ain't ever coming back. The fans of Celebrity Chef John don't give a crap about the episode with Mary. The data speaks volumes. There is no stickiness. People who come for John don't listen to Mary. We're kidding ourselves thinking that we can grow an audience through constant guest hustle. And we see this everywhere in podcasting today. They are getting disillusioned with a model that relies on guests for guest sharing. The future in growing your audience is understanding who your audience is, building organically around that audience. All is not lost. Perhaps the answer to growing great podcasts and the audiences that go with them isn't in getting great guests. In fact, we're increasingly seeing podcasts that are growing audiences because they have fantastic narratives. Those narratives may be in those rich audio storytelling formats, or the narratives may be inherent in the design of the podcast, in that the guests and the host, whoever participates in the podcast, actively involves the community and influences the community to be part of that journey and that narrative with them. Jeff Goldblum, Hollywood actor, is going to be joining a Dungeons and Dragons podcast, which I think is pretty awesome. Jeff will be joining season two of Dark Dice beginning May the 12th. Jeff's going to be a mix of characters, I believe an elven sorcerer called Belmar. And according to Chartable, Dark Dice is the number one fiction, not just Dungeons and Dragons, fiction podcast in the US today. I used to play Dungeons and Dragons as a kid many years ago, 30 years ago, actually. Good memories of late night sessions with friends in back rooms, eating junk food and just talking crap into the hours. That's how we spent time together. I haven't played for 30 years and I didn't know people still played. But if you look at the data, Dungeons and Dragons has seen a resurgence due to the lockdown we've all experienced in the last 18 months. According to one source, sales of tabletop gaming. So I'm not talking about online role-playing. I'm talking about tabletop analog gaming have surged 50% since COVID. Now, what is the reason for all of this and why Jeff Goldblum? Something's happening for sure. Let's have a look at what the problem is in audiences. And that problem is loneliness, is disconnection. We all feel it. It's part of our human nature. And for certain people, Dungeons and Dragons is a way to connect. Really, the game itself is less important than the connection. It's the connection with friends, the arguments, the fun, the acting, the wonder, and all the conversations that come out of it afterwards that make these games a lot of fun and great tools for certain people. And it's a defined audience, I give you that, want to play them. If you look at Feedspot, 
you can see a list of the top 80 Dungeons and Dragons podcasts today. The top one is Dragon Talk. Dragon Talk publishes six episodes a month and has 780,000 Facebook fans, 380,000 Twitter followers. And it's been going for nearly 10 years. So it's putting in the graveyard shifts when people like Jeff Goldblum weren't on the lips of role-playing fans globally. These formats know their audiences very well. And not only do they know exactly who they're talking to, they have that audience avatar, but they engage the audience in the content itself. So Dungeons and Daddies, which I've mentioned before on these podcasts, currently makes $170,000 a month from 12,000 Patreon subscribers. And if you were to look at the rewards on Patreon, what you can get for paying 50 bucks, I believe, is to play a non-player character in one of their live shows. I listened to episode 57, Heroes of Moat and Magic, and even though I'm not tempted to play, I admit that I enjoyed the format. The gameplay is live, but relies heavily on the guests describing their actions, which they do very well. One is a voice actor, and the others come from the world of media. The narrative style and humor makes you feel like you're part of a group, which is the human connection we are all missing today. My point is this. As our need for human connection grows with the increasingly disconnected society, we will seek out podcasts and audio in particular that resets the balance, that enables us to claim that human birthright that is being together. And what I think this teaches us is two things. That firstly, if you are to grow an audience, you need to first tap into an interest economy. You need to create conversations that matter with people who care about them. People don't care about podcasts. They don't care about Clubhouse. They care about what these audio formats do for them. So rather than the ABC podcast, create a podcast about the conversations that your people care about within the ABC organization. Is it climate change? Is it diversity? Is it culture? Is it artificial intelligence and ethics? What do people really care about? And create a podcast about that. Because why is anybody going to listen to the ABC podcast when they could also listen to something they really care about. For example, true crime or Cold War history or Dungeons and Dragons. Secondly, you need influencers. Let's say you are in the Dungeons and Dragons category. You're now competing with Jeff Goldblum. And you can bet that if that is half decent, everybody's going to be talking about the dark dice. Of course, you can get lucky. You may be in the right place at the right time, and that catapults your podcast into the limelight. But the days of build it and they will come are 
over. The way to build audiences today is to engage influencers in your podcast. And I'm not talking about necessarily Jeff Goldblum, but the influence that you need isn't necessarily influencers. The influence is having thought leadership with your audience. Jeff Goldblum has it. He might not consider himself a thought leader, but he has the attention and Attention is the new currency of leadership. If you have their attention, you're a leader. Look at Greta Thunberg. She is a leader because she has the attention of the world's media. The same applies to podcasts and your audience. If you can't afford Jeff Goldblum, then you should think about building influence with your audience by including the audience in the process. And if we are to learn one thing from radio, it's that radio has survived for a hundred years because it's included the audience in the process. Everything from the traditional phone-in to the reader's mailbag to the host going in and broadcasting live from the hospital ward, it's all about audience and community. Thought leadership, personal branding, awareness, these are all functions of attention. In marketing today, communications for business, attention is our biggest cost. If you have attention, you lead, you change minds, you influence. There are many platforms out there that promise you attention, that give you easy tools to create content to win people's attention. TikTok, Instagram, all of these are designed to give you those 15 seconds of fame. But if you want to create thought leadership, 15 seconds is not enough. As easy as they give you their attention, they can easily take it away. The key to building a brand is building an asset. And that means taking a different approach than chasing the shiny objects and the noisy social media channels out there. I learned today that Taylor Swift doesn't get asked for autographs. And it's why audience building is hard. Singer Taylor Swift said that the fan autograph is dead. That moniker of the fan audio star relationship is a thing of a bygone era. And it's unlikely to enjoy a pandemic-induced revival like Dungeons & Dragons. Instead, today's moment of fame is the fan audio star selfie. Taylor Swift's fame is in part due to her talent, of course, but mostly due to the fact that she had an audience before she was signed to a record label. When she went to the record labels in the early days, she had already built a large MySpace fan base. And that, for the record label, significantly de-risked their decision to cut her a deal. Which brings me back to podcasts. It's getting a lot harder to build an audience than buy a ready-made one. You see, Spotify spent $100 million on exclusive rights for the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. Does that sound like a lot of money? Well, consider that the day they announced the deal, Spotify's share price rose 10%, adding a further $2.7 billion to their market valuation. To answer your question, if I was a CEO, I would say yes. It's getting a lot harder to build a podcast from scratch when you're competing with 
Jeff Goldblum on the one hand, Apple and Spotify promoting their $100 million content on the other. That, of course, doesn't mean it's impossible. You need to build community. You check out Podcast Maps Season 3 for that. This is basically a how-to on building community for audio. Today, there are two point something million podcasts in the world. Some have, like Jeff Goldblum's soon-to-be-launched Dark Dice, Taylor Swift-level status. It's the kind of status that record labels and Spotify's of this world will pay millions for. But not everybody. In fact, 97% of podcasts don't have any recognisable name on the title. Most hover, for that reason, around hundreds or maybe thousands of listeners. But it doesn't mean that they are worthless. Far from it. If they have tightly defined audiences, ready-made, engaged, they can be valuable, especially for you if they align with your audience. It's why I started a podcast guesting service called podcastguesting.pro, because building an audience for a podcaster is actually hard and it takes time. Sure, it makes sense if you are prepared to graft long term, which some podcasters are, or you have resources with that long-term view, like some of my podcast agency clients, for example, McKinsey. But for most of us, buying an audience from someone who's already put in the hours and de-risked it for us is a lot easier. And time-wise, it's a far higher return on investment. The content marketing landscape, especially in audio, is ever-evolving and it's polarizing and we need to map it. What's happening is it's getting harder to compete with the Taylor Swifts of this world in your podcasting category. They're getting resources. They're getting bought. They're investing those resources in the Jeff Goldblums that have the similar kind of cachet with their audiences. And for us, everybody else, we're left looking at answers, silver bullets even. There comes the noisiest apps of all, the TikToks and the clubhouses. They get the media attention, but they are far from being the most effective. What I want to talk about is the thought leadership return on investment for you. You may not be a thought leader in the traditional sense, but if your game is the game of building an audience, you need attention and attention is thought leadership, whether that be garden furniture or Cold War history or management consultancy. That's why I wanted to map out thought leadership. And it's why if you're not Taylor Swift, you have to work smarter as opposed to harder. What about Clubhouse? What about Twitter Spaces? What about LinkedIn Live? What about, what about, what about? So many options these days for content marketing in the audio space. Let's put it all into context. I created the Thought Leadership Magic Quadrant. I'm going to talk about that today. 
And also you can grab a copy of my free guide. Stick around to the end of this section. You can find out how to download it. That guide's going to help you become a thought leader by guesting on other people's podcasts. It explains why audio should be core to your thought leadership strategy. And within that thought leadership strategy, podcasts are potentially the content channel that offers the highest return on investment. When we look at content marketing, we think about two different axes. And if you want the quadrant for this, go to podcastguesting.pro, where you can find the thought leadership magic quadrant. On the one axis, you have earned and owned media. And on the other, you have low reach and high reach. Think about press releases. You create your thought leadership piece, your key talking points, and you send it out to editors. Now, the editor's own the media. For you, this is earned media. The problem with press releases is there's a lot of money spent on an activity which has a very low reach. People just don't read press releases anymore. So what are your options? Well, you have webinars which you can own yourself. You can create your own webinar. But the problem is with webinars is that increasingly the reach is diminishing. Of those people that turn up, how many stick around beyond the 10 minute mark to see and hear what you've got to say? Which leaves us the thought leadership activities in content marketing with the highest reach. Well, traditionally, you could write a book. You could publish a book yourself. I've done that. I have seven books on Amazon. Self-publishing is great, but the time spent in writing a book compared to the return on that time is probably best spent elsewhere. Now we're narrowing it down to podcasts and videos. The great thing today is you can easily create a video and distribute it on YouTube. However, if you're on YouTube, you're competing with 13, 14, 15 year old kids who can get a lot more views than you can on their YouTube videos. You go to YouTube, you get your ass handed to you by some teenager. But what a teenager can't do on the thought leadership quadrant is podcasts. What a teenager can't evoke is many years of experience or conversational skill or contacts to bring somebody onto a podcast. When you are a thought leader and you go to YouTube, unless you're a teenager, you're playing to your weakness. But let's flip that on its head a little bit. Your strength is your experience, your authenticity, and your engagement. And that's where podcasts come into their own. So the question is, is do you own them or do you earn them? You can do both. Owning a podcast, creating your own series takes work, takes effort, and it's a long-term play. Podcasting is a marathon, not a sprint. But it, maybe you don't have the time or maybe you're not sure. Or even better still, maybe you have a podcast and you want to grow an audience. What is the best way of doing that? The answer is other people's podcasts. Guesting on other people's podcasts is a fantastic way to build an audience and your personal brand and with it, thought leadership. Neil Patel, the SEO guru, famous for teaching a world of marketers to blog and adopt content marketing, not so long ago said that 
guest posting was dead. What Neil Patel does now is guest podcasting. He spends his time guesting on other people's podcasts because he knows that A, the SEO return on other people's podcast is huge. He said himself that the average podcast is 13,000 times less competitive for keywords than blogs and websites, which is great because if you want to rank for a keyword, you could spend a lifetime. However, if you get on a podcast, you could rank very fast. One of the biggest discovery tools for podcasts today isn't Spotify or Apple. It is, in fact, Google. And the second reason why Neil Patel loves podcasts and guesting on other people's podcasts is because podcast guesting gives you a ready-made audience. You can see how tightly defined that audience is looking at episodes and looking at previous content maybe 300 listeners of a subject very closely aligned to your key talking points is a lot more value than 30,000 of a mass market podcast. And the great thing today is there's 2 million podcasts out there. So even if 50% of them are active, there are a million potential content choices, meaning there must be at least five to 10 for your tightly defined niche think about podcast guesting, both as a way to grow your audience for a podcast, if you have one already, because podcast listeners will listen to other podcasts. That's not rocket science. And secondly, it's a great way to build your personal brand without having a podcast. You can do both and you can certainly also do it as a way to test to see if your brand or even yourself is ready to create your own podcast. If you're interested in podcast guesting, I created a free guide for you to download. It's a 60-page document. I admit it, it's quite long, but it has a lot of information, not just about how to book yourself on podcasts, but also how to be a good guest, how to tell your story, and even how to set up your audio right so you sound great. Go and get that guide from podcastguesting.pro. And if you have any questions about podcast guesting, my contact details are in the guide. And finally, a premonitory tale that all that glistens is not gold. 26-year-old Kendra Womack uploaded a short video of her Labrador retriever to TikTok. The Labrador caught a yellow ball and seemed to have swallowed it as if it was consumed in one gulp. The 12-second clip went viral, reaching 1.4 million people. In the Wall Street Journal, Miss Womack said, I couldn't believe how easy it was. I was in shock and disbelief. Social media panders to our attention. It's no different from how advertising used to tempt us, fawn us, seduce us into believing that somehow buying that consumer good would fulfill us, that we were, without that good, somehow not enough. I've been thinking about social media recently and that why we're on the menu at the social media lunch club. The last couple of weeks, I've been testing lunch club. Think of it as chat roulette, but for VPs and CEOs as opposed to teenagers. Well, that's the idea. As fun as it is, these apps always leave you feeling that actually you're not going anywhere. It's like gambling. We play because we might get lucky. In Lunch Club, we might meet the potential game-changing buyer we're all looking for. He or she might have budget for what we're selling. He or she might be an investor. 
But the reality is it's just an interesting hour wasted with someone mildly interesting. And it's a reminder to, well, me at least, that if you want to build your brand, you have to own it. In the fruit machine world of gaming user attention, TikTok is the king of Las Vegas. The app sucks in hours of our time and keeps us hooked with the promise of jackpots served to the fortunate few. Randomly, of course. But like all games of chance, the fortunate few can be lulled into believing their success was skill as opposed to luck of the draw. Which brings us back to Kendra Womack. Since the 1.4 million views on her Golden Retriever video, she's tried to, frustratingly, repeat the success that she thought was easy. She's published 50 follow-up videos, which average 1,000 views each. The question is, why? And the answer lies in the TikTok algorithm. It's in the interest of the apps that the users don't learn or game the algorithm. In the record label analogy, TikTok wants to produce one-hit wonders and throw away teen pop bands, not the Beatles or the Stones. If stars can build audiences, audience can also follow the stars to other platforms. Which means that TikTok stars are throwaway commodities. It's not about them at the end of the day. It's about the platform. There was a 2009 study of what happens to celebrities after they get famous. And the authors found that post-fame was a dark place indeed. The only thing you can become after famous, unfortunately, is a has-been, said the author Donna Rockwell in Vox magazine. Then you have to deal with depression, the anxiety, and the after effects of having lost something. It's not TikTok's fault, of course. In a better world, we as humans would be more resilient to the fawning promises of social media. But we are social by design. We seek the approval of others and therefore die by their rejection. Attention is the social currency of all our relationships. To pay attention to another person is to show them you care. You show them that they are important. In the TikTok social media attention model, the model that is shaping Facebook's road ahead, the only winner, the one winner, is the casino. The casino sucks attention from all who play. Sure, individual players may get lucky, but nobody beats the house. TikTok is a stark reminder to us all that although it promises glamour and shiny objects, when we play the social media game, our audience is always on loan. Hi, this is Graham. Thanks for listening to this episode of Podcast Maps, which is all about audience growth. And Podcast Maps is about that. How do I grow an audience? What works? What doesn't work? Because the industry is changing so fast. It isn't just COVID, which has changed everything about how we communicate in business, but it's also the algorithms that keep constantly changing and the fact that there are 2 million podcasts in the market today and a billion listeners listening to podcasts every week. It's happening very fast. And to stay up to date, I created Podcast Maps. So signing off, I'm going to give you some resources that you can download, get hold of, 
read that can help you grow your podcast audience. And if you like podcast maps on Spotify or Apple, follow and subscribe because that helps me understand what kind of content people like and what I should be producing more of. So here comes the content. Thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode. To get everything that I've talked about today, including the free guides, go to my new website, www.podcastmaps.com.